Welcome, everyone, to Creating a Family. Talk about adoption and foster care. I'm Dawn Davenport. I am both the host of this show as well as the director of the nonprofit Creating a Family. Uh, yes, indeed, we are a nonprofit and we have a ton of resources for you guys. So please pop over to our website, creatingafamily.org, if you have any questions or are looking for additional information. Today, we're going to be talking about talking with young children about adoption and birth parents. We will be talking with Jenna Howard. She is a licensed master social worker and has worked in the adoption field since 1994 in both domestic and international adoption. In addition, she is an adoptee herself and the adoptive mom of a daughter adopted from China. Welcome, Jenna, to Creating a Family. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. You know, this is an important topic. We tell parents how important it is all the time. And I think so often we give general advice when, about talking with kids. Uh, and, and for people who are newly adoptive parents, what they're really, depending, of course, on the age of the child, what they're really most interested in is how to talk with young children, both about adoption and about birth parents. And sometimes, quite honestly, it's the birth parent part that is harder for new adoptive parents. So let's start with the basics. I, I said before that we we always talk to parents about how important it is. Why is it important to start talking with kids when they're very young about adoption and birth parents? Sure. Well, I think one of the most important parts is because it's going to build a foundation of trust and open communication. So um, you're basically, you're starting at the foundation and you're starting the communication and you're making it a comfortable topic and a topic that they are going to feel comfortable coming to you and talking about. It also helps normalize the adoption and normalize that this is not, um, it helps reduce the feelings they might have of shame or that it's a secret. You know, this is an open topic and it's something we talk about in this family. Mm-hmm. And it's a normal part that adoption is a normal way for families to be formed. It is one of the ways exactly. that families are formed. Right. Okay. So when should parents start talking with kids about adoption? If Assuming that they're adopted. Obviously, if you're adopting a child at an older age, the adoption is well known and out in the open to be talked about. But what if you adopt a, a baby at birth or a toddler or a, a, a very young child? Sure. You actually should ta- start talking about it immediately. And a lot of that is for the adoptive parents' benefit. It helps you become more comfortable with the story. It helps you know what to say, what not to say, the phrasing. And um, it just, it's once again, it's that foundation. And you're starting from the beginning and you're starting with your comfort. Yeah, I always say that infancy is an adoptive parents, is a gift to adoptive parents because you're talking and you're kind of getting comfortable with the language before your kid knows anything. I mean, you could be saying anything to them. You could be reciting a, a nursery rhyme and they wouldn't know the difference at infancy, but you will know the difference and you'll start practicing and the words will start becoming more comfortable on your tongue. Right. And honestly, a lot of time adoptive parents have to work out some of their own emotions still about the adoption. Absolutely. Um, it sometimes takes them by surprise that they're having feelings of their own grief and feelings of, you know, they've worked so hard for so long to have this child and they finally have this child and they're getting upset when the child's colicky and they feel almost guilty about that. So um, it's, it's a benefit 
for the adoptive parent too, because it gives them the time to work through those emotions and those feelings, which are natural, but they don't necessarily feel like they should be having. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. So we've, we've just said, start with infants. Okay. So you've got an infant, you've got a three month old. How do you talk to a three month old about adoption? Well, the great thing about that age is they're such sensory beings and everything is about a sensation and the sensory. And so it's super, um, you know, when you're playing with them and, you know, giving them a bath and you're loving on them and you just weave their adoption story into those moments. And it, it's really setting a tone and an attitude about it being a positive, loving thing. Yeah, it just becomes a normal uh, a part of it. You know, one of the things that I always recommend is that adoptive parents start building a library of adoption books. It's fine. to I'm a big library user, huge library user. But I do believe that it's good to own some books on adoption. And infancy is a great time to begin building your library and using those and start reading books to your three-month-old. Yes, the three-month-old is not really going to get much out of the book, but uh, you will be reading the book. And uh, also, people are wanting to give you gifts at that point. And so that's another good way to build up your library is to uh, ask family and friends if they say, what do you need? Are we going to have a baby shower or whatever? You could say, oh, here's a list of books. And I would like to, we'd like to start building up our library of adoption books. And this would be really helpful. And, and the other added advantage is many of these books have sections for parents. So while you're reading to your infant or feeding your infant, uh, you could also be reading the section in the book that talks about parents. It's just a good refresher for you as a parent to help get you prepared for when your child is understanding what it is you're reading. And what's wonderful, there's so many book options now, and it does also help normalize that adoption is a normal way to build a family. And it's, you can also, if you've adopted transracially, there are books that reflect that and they can see in the book, there's a family like mine and I'm not the only one. Yeah. And another uh, thing that you want to build your library, your child's library is of books with many diverse characters. And I would say that's the case regardless mm -hmm. of whether you are adopting transracially, but especially if you are adopting transracially, let me mention two resources. One, Creating a Family has a the best of the best adoption book list uh, for kids broken out by type of adoption and age. And you can find that uh, on our website, creatingafamily.org, under the word, uh, just the horizontal menu, hover over adoption and click on suggested books. Or we also have a shortened link for that. And that's a bit.ly link. So it's bit.ly slash Adoption books with the A and the B capitalized. Another great resource, and again, it's a creating or family resource for books with diverse characters, is uh, Four Tips for Raising an Anti Racist Child. I cannot recommend that resource enough. It is a lot of very practical, I won't say necessarily easy, but practical, implementable things that you as a parent can do. And as I say, I think. All parents should be doing this regardless of the race of the child they adopted. However, I would say, especially if you're adopting across racial lines, uh, another tremendous list, one of the things in there has a, a number of things in there, but one of the things in there is a list broken out by age of the child, as well as the thing, whether it's got the main character of what race, things such as that. that uh, so it's a very diverse list. 
So I would recommend both of those. Okay, so that's talking with infants before the age of cognition. So, but as at what age do children begin to grasp any idea of what you're talking about? Obviously, a three month old, no. But at what point do children start understanding just the basic concept of adoption? So, age is not really the right term for that. It's more developmental stage. Yeah, so, and kids will kids will hit that at different ages, but it's probably earlier than most people think. And they don't, they're not going to understand the deeper aspects of adoption, but definitely by the toddler phase, they're going to understand the basics and they're going to start getting the terminology. Probably the, I feel the biggest age for kids truly starting to grasp adoption is right when they start school or at that school age, five, six, because developmentally, they can understand the concept of like subtraction. So they're developmentally able also to understand the concept that they were with one born to one family and then went to another family. So that is probably the age where parents will see a lot more questions about adoption, a lot deeper questions, but they're going to have questions even before then. Mm-hmm. And their concept of adoption is going to grow and change. And some people think the young kids are not dealing with the emotions of the adoption, but they are. They just, a lot of times, don't have words to express it. Mm-hmm. I mean, toddlers begin to understand uh, the concept mm-hmm. that babies grow in mommies, depending on the family, tummy or uterus or, or womb or whatever your uh, the, the family calls it. They know that babies grow inside right. of mommies. And that's a good opportunity to start sharing, well, you grew inside of Susie's. Uh, belly or her uterus or womb, and the and the child may express sadness that oh I didn't grow in your tummy, and that's they're starting to process the emotional side of mm-hmm. adoption, and they're sad that that wasn't their their story is not they grew in their mommy's tummy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what name? We get this question a lot. What name should be used when referring to birth parents? Uh, there, there are many options that uh, that families have chosen. What are some of the options that families choose, and and, and is there a preferred option? So, a lot of that's going to depend on the child and the family, um, and that's I think why there are so many different options. And sometimes it also depends on the birth mother because um, birth mother is a term I most commonly use, and that that is a very common term. Some people prefer the term first mother because they feel birth mother frames it more as she was an incubator. Mm -hmm. So some people prefer first mother. Some people prefer um, the first name or, you know, tummy mommy or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say probably birth mother is the most commonly used, but let's say you're in an open adoption and your child is going to have some form of a relationship with her birth mother. I think you bring the birth mother into that conversation. What are you going to want her to call you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of work at that together. Maybe they call her by her first name, or maybe she wants to be called mama nickname, you know? So um, a lot of that you may change too. You may start using a certain term and then your child feels uncomfortable with it later and you have to change it. As an adoptee, it's, it's, 
a little difficult for me with that terminology because I've actually had the opportunity to meet some of my birth family. And um, as an adoptee, you have this feeling of loyalty to your adoptive family. And so I always, when I talk about my birth family to other people, I always feel the need to say my biological brother, my biological, you know, and it's mm-hmm. people look at you strange because why would you term that with your brother? And so um, sometimes that puts the adoptee in a strange position. Yeah. So I think it, it would be a gift to the adoptee if you're able to, I guess, not worry about the label as much and help them with that identity and help them know that it's not a loyalty issue. And what do you want to call her? And we work on that together. You know, and I'm, I'm so glad you raised because I was, uh, that's a great segue into nowadays, the vast majority of, especially children who are being adopted at a very young age are in open adoptions. Uh, certainly most infant adoptions are that way. And so the, an openness can mean many different things, but generally it means some type of contact between the adoptive family and the birth family. Now, it may be between the parents, especially if the child is an infant. It may not be physical contact. It may be contact over social media or text messaging, or it could be that the uh, meeting at a park once a month. It could take on any different, uh, it's a a nuanced term and can mean whatever the, the families involved want it to mean. But it does generally mean that the child will be not only speaking of this person, but also to this person. And sometimes the names that you use are different. They may say this is the child might think of Susie as their birth mom. But when they are referring and talking to Susie directly, they may uh, want to call her Susie or they may call her Mama Sue or they may call her whatever. Some families uh, go by the aunt, you know, they, they will call them Aunt Sue because in their family tradition, children don't call other adults by their first name. But it does seem like that that's something that the adoptive parents and the birth parents work out between the two of them. What Because honestly, an infant's going to follow the lead of, of what the parents are, are doing. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Let me pause for a moment to tell you about a free educational resource. Thanks to the Jockey Bean Family Foundation, we are thrilled to offer you free online courses through our adopted.org learning platform. When you go to this, I'm going to give you a link. It's a bit.ly link, so it's shortened. bit.ly slash all cap JBF support. You can see five courses. An example would be transitioning home as a newly adopted family. And these courses are designed to equip you with more expert-based information related to today's show content and also just related to your journey as an adoptive or foster parent. Each of these courses is free when you use the coupon code JBFSTRONG at checkout. So again, you can find these courses. The shortened link is a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash this will be all cap JBF support and use the coupon code all cap JBF strong. I hope you enjoy them. All right. Now we're moving into when our infants are in, moving into toddlers and in preschool age. It's uh, it's a great age in many ways because kids just accept what we say at that age. 
<laughs> and as a mother of, of four much older kids, I will say that that ends. <laughs> they, they do not continue to do that. Dadgummit. But they certainly do at that age. And so it is a, a blessing. But you know what? I think it's as much the attitude of what is said or, or the attitude in which it is said as the actual words. So let's talk a little about toddlers and preschoolers and, and what adoptive parents need to be aware when they're talking about adoption. Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember that you are laying the foundation for their identity development. And so being a, an adoptee is going to be a part of their identity. And some parents really worry about that and really worry that um, they're going to have all these adoption issues. And what I like parents to remember is we all have our own issues and our own struggles. And mm -hmm. being an adoptee does come with its unique set of circumstances, but everyone has that and it helps make you the person you are. And, it, and there are tons of gifts to having that perspective and to having that identity. But you're right. It's more it's less about what you say and more about the attitude and how you say it. And, you know, when you're framing, well, you're at that age, you're not really going to deal as much with the sad aspects or the hard aspects. You're just framing. Um, we love you. You are surrounded by love. We are so happy you're in our family. Um, and kids that age, it's so great. You can use books, you can use art, um, you can show them pictures if you have of their birth family and, you know, talk about it that way. Um, play is really big at this age. They're big into imagining, imaginative play. And so you can, um, you know, if they're into superheroes, you can play superheroes and you'll see adoption themes come out in that play. And that also gives you a window into the areas they are processing and the areas they're struggling with. And throughout their childhood. This is a journey you're walking with them and you want to encourage conversation and encourage them to share and not ever make it feel like you're not welcoming that conversation because you want them to share the hard things with you and the good things. And all of us in life, we have things that are hard and the people you share it with and you can trust with that and they treat that with love and respect those are the people you're close to and that you share things with and that you walk and the relationship with your child, that's what you want. You want them to walk the walk with you mm -hmm. and the journey with you. And so that age, you're just, you're just building that foundation and you're teaching them right away. Adoption's a word we can say in this house and we can talk about comfortably and you can say something. It's not going to hurt my feelings. We're going to talk about it together. And it's just, that's such a fat age. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I liked what you said about using play. I certainly met with one of mine when she was playing. She was going to be the mommy and, and, and she was doing something or whatever. She was cooking something for the baby or whether she was going to be the mommy. And, uh, and so I joined her in play and I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to adopt. And she was going to have a baby is what she was going to do. And so I said, well, I'm going to adopt a baby. And so that, uh, so that allowed us, I looked for opportunities, and I think that's what we have to do as parents, is look for opportunities mm -hmm. to bring adoption into the conversation, if if only, but also to lay the groundwork for our kids, but also to make sure that we are, are engaging and we're talking, because it's easy at this age 
to not talk about it. Hence why I suggest building up a library of books, because that, as long as you're pulling out a book once a week to read or whatever, how often you want to do it, that's keeping it into the, that's bringing adoption into the conversation. So I think it's easy to, to overlook the need to talk about it at this age. We often call this age, you know, really more into the preschool age and even into the kindergarten age as adoption is cool because kids are often very proud of the fact that's a very, and and parents, I think, sometimes take too much pride in the fact that their kids love the fact that they're adopted. I certainly know I did. You know, my kids reached that stage. But uh, do you see that universally, that kids at around that age are very accepting that adoption is, is uh, makes them stand out, it's a cool thing, or certainly a very normal way of building a family. Do you see that as well? Yes, and I think it's very natural for kids to do that. And it's a way they are trying to figure out their own story, and they're trying to take control of their narrative. And, you know, kids don't like to be necessarily different. They want to fit in. They want to be a part, same as everyone. And there, here's this one thing that really stands out and what are they going to do with that? And some, um, they can't change that status. So they're trying to find a way to make it cool to be different and also just kind of basically take control. Mm-hmm. It helps really, if you see your child doing that, to talk to them about it and help them. That's an opportunity to help them put some names to their emotions and to, I mean, you don't want to tell them how they're feeling, but it's, it's a way to start probing, you know, how do you feel about being adopted? And, you know, how does it make you feel that Jimmy's not and you are? You know, some of those kind of questions to help kind of probe more the emotional side that is going to start coming out. One of the things I wanted to bring up is it seems like there are a couple of different, uh, we could talk about a couple of different groundworks we need to to be laying at this very early stage. One is the concept that uh, adoption is what adoption is, that you grew in another mommy's body, you had another mommy and a daddy. For whatever reason, this they were not able to parent you. You're sharing that detail. And mommy and daddy were so happy. We couldn't wait to have you. And, and we were so happy. And, and so there's that. There's the actual adoption. But I also think we're laying the groundwork that there are different ways that families can can be formed that that and there's not one better way or worse way but there are different ways and there are books that cover both of those that should be incorporated the different all kinds of families type of books as well as the uh, basics of adoption type of books and i think both are important yes i totally agree a question we often get is at this age the preschool age we encourage families to start laying, as you point, as your word was laying the groundwork for their adoption story. And sometimes that's information that we would think should be kept within the family, that their birth mama was too young to, uh, that uh, Susie was too young to be a mom to any baby. And so she knew that that she wouldn't be able to give you what you needed. So she chose us. Or Susie uh, was struggling with some health issues. She wasn't well, and because she wasn't well, she wasn't able to raise you. Is often a, uh, the beginning stages that we lay for drug addiction. But some of this information we don't necessarily want 
our child to share with the world, at least until they're old enough to understand what it is they are sharing. So how do we deal with that as parents? The whole idea of it's our kid's story, but they're not really old enough yet to understand the distinction of who they should share with and what they should share. And yet we're beginning to lay the groundwork sometimes of some of some uh, private information. So how do we make that distinction between secrecy and privacy with a young child? Yeah, well, isn't that a fun experience every parent gets to go through is their child <laughs> sharing something that you really wish they wouldn't. So sometimes it's going to happen and you have to deal with it after the fact. And really, a lot of it is going to depend on the personality of the child, too. There are some kids that are just extremely extroverted. And, you know, you can talk about things that we talk about as a family and that we don't necessarily share with everyone. And also, though, I think part of the issue is they're watching you. And sometimes as parents, we are so excited about the adoption. We're so excited as parents that sometimes we have overshared information. Mm-hmm. And um, the child sees that and the child watches that. And so then when they start oversharing, sometimes it makes us recognize, oh, we maybe should have been a little more restrictive on, on sharing the story with everyone. Really, though, it's just about having conversations with the child and about also probing, you know, why, why, did, why did you want to talk about that? I'm so glad that you're happy about this and not, not shaming them for sharing, but also kind of um, redirecting them basically. And like, you know, that's stuff we really talk about at home and we don't necessarily tell everyone at the grocery store about it. And then also when you're talking about transracial adoption and kids going to school, there's going to be, they're going to see, the kids are going to see there's adoption. And some kids, it's a little harder for them to know how to navigate that. Sometimes they prefer to tell everybody and overshare a little bit so that they don't get that awkward when my mom first comes and everyone was like, wait, that's your mom? Well, and I'm glad you raised that with transracial, because one of the things for even preschoolers, and uh, we need to help them explain the the adoption as well as transracial adoption, two separate things, really, although the transracial placements certainly bring, you're a conspicuous family. And so it's going to be that, that the world will know, but helping our children explain, helping them learn how to explain that what adoption is in a, obviously in a very simple way. And also, uh, especially for our transracial kids, because they're going to, uh, the kids who have been adopted transracially, they're going to be getting those questions even sooner than other children, because it's going to be obvious. And it's very important that you practice those questions at home and you practice so the kid, your child isn't caught off guard when those questions come. So you can practice at home and empower her. How does she want to respond to this? What does she want people to know? You know, and and help her start taking control and agency of her own adoption story. And um, but also the practice is just very important at home because then they are ready with a response and they're not caught off guard and it doesn't make them feel as awkward as it could. And with young children, the answers are simple. Uh, how come you don't look like your mom? Because I'm adopted. Simple, mm-hmm. and, you know. It's 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 not complicated at this age. At this age, it's you know because I'm adopted, and so we can keep it short and simple for our kids. And and quite frankly, that's how they're going to understand it at this age. 
That's why I don't look like you. And give them permission to not answer a question. You know, if someone, if they said, because I'm adopted and someone keeps probing, they, you know, teach them, why do you want to know that? Or I really don't feel comfortable talking about that. You know, give them the ability to not share their story if they don't want to. Go ask my mom. That's what my, yeah. <laughs> go ask my mom. She likes talking about this. Yeah. So yeah, again, keeping it short and simple. Something that we read a lot about in the adoption field is positive adoption language. And I think that is the attempt to make certain that the way we are phrasing the experience of being adopted is in a more positive light. What do we mean by positive adoption language? And can you give us some examples that would be important and could be used for young children? So there are language when you are crafting the narrative, there's language you want to try to avoid. Words like real mom, real dad. Those can be harmful words on both sides because on one side, it kind of erases the the birth parent's role. If, you know, you say your adoptive parents are your real parents. And on the other side, it erases the adoptive parent role. And um, it's just a very uncomfortable term for adoptees. Another example would be uh, giving away uh, my, uh, rather than say that your birth mother gave you away, to say your, uh, Susie made an adoption plan because she wasn't able to parent you. Right. Or Susie made the choice to place you in a home that she felt was going to be a good home for you. Phrasing like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But children are going to hear negative adoption language their entire life. And you also want to teach them and empower them to to be able to respond to the language if they want to. So to be able to kindly correct the language if they want to, or to just not do anything about it if that's what they feel comfortable in the situation. Mm -hmm. That comes up less often with the preschool age, Mm -hmm. in my experience. Things are just more uh, black and white, cut and dry. And the kids and whoever they're speaking with are also, uh, usually children of similar age, are also accepting of short and simple answers. Right. And I think parents often worry too much about some of that. You are going to make mistakes and you are going to use terminology you shouldn't at some time. And you just learn better and you do better. And just recognize that you're not going to get this all right. And there are some adoption terms that, Older adoptees have told us they do not like terms like lucky, you're lucky to be adopted, you're so special to be adopted. A a lot of older adoptees have said that they don't like those terms because they weren't necessarily lucky to go through the loss of adoption and especially Mm -hmm. children that are adopted at an older age have stronger feelings about those kind of terminologies. Also, if, if if telling your child that they are lucky also implies that they should be grateful. And I don't think any right. child has the obligation to be grateful to be your child. That is a right of a child. You were the one who chose to, to, uh, to become a parent and chose this way. And so it's not our children's obligation to feel grateful and gratitude for that. Right. Hey guys, I'm pausing the interview for a moment to remind you to please follow the Creating a Family podcast wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. Uh, By doing so, you will never miss a week of great content. 
you can listen to this show, obviously, on your phone or in your car, through your car play, or you can do it through your computer. One thing to keep in mind, we have a huge archive. So when you're following, become a follower of Creating a Family through one of these, your, whatever your podcast app is, you can then scroll through our archives. And we've covered so many topics because we've been doing this show for 13 years. So we've got tons of information that would be directly relevant to you. And much of it is, is totally evergreen. And some of them, the greats in the past who are no longer with us, who have been interviewed by us, and you wouldn't want to, to miss their wisdom. So check that out as well. And please follow Creating a Family Podcast. So what are some common questions that preschoolers might ask? Uh, and let's give some sample answers. And I mean questions about adoption. I'll give you one. Uh, and, and let's answer them with an eye towards whether we have contact with birth parents or whether we don't. So in other words, in, in an open adoption or a, we don't have that many closed adoptions anymore, but at least from the child standpoint, uh, not much contact. Because I think sometimes the answers can be different. Um, I'll, I'll start by saying one, why didn't I grow in your tummy? And that is an extremely common one and probably one of the first ones you get in a lot earlier than most adoptive parents expect. Exactly. <laughs> So, and, you know, and like you said, I appreciate your emphasis on truthful answers. So you don't want to make up things. You want to give the truth at an age appropriate level. So let's say, you know, Susie and Susie, you have an open adoption and, you know, Susie's a birth mom. And so you can simply answer, well, you just concrete answer. You, you were in Susie's tummy and then. Once you were born, you came to live with our family. Mm -hmm. And that can be as because you grew in Susie's. But how come I, and then, and then if the child is, is a persistent child, but how come mm -hmm. I couldn't grow in your tummy? Well, and I think that will also depend. Some people adopt because of infertility and some people don't. And so like if you're in a family where Maybe you're pregnant as the child asking this, because that could have been the prompt for the question. It's, it's hard to give a definite because you have to, I wouldn't, people who have infertility issues, I would try to avoid language like my tummy was broken. Just say more, I wasn't able to have a baby in my tummy. And so we were able to have a family by um, Susie growing you in her tummy, and then she chose us as your family, and just kind of repeat the message that you're loved and you're a part of this family. Okay, another common question, especially with, uh, well, not just exclusively with transracial adoptions, but certainly we see it with transracial adoptions, is why don't I look like you? Or why is my skin brown and yours is pink? Or yours is whatever color the child is, is saying. Often they don't say white, but so how do we answer that question? And that is a really common because they're wanting to be just like their family. And you're at that is also another very common question. And, you know, once again, truth and honesty and just, you know, well, you probably look more like your birth parents. And then maybe, maybe, you know, it's Susie. Well, because Susie had dark skin. And so you look more like Susie and 
if you're religious, a lot of times people bring in, this is how God made us. We make us all special and unique and everyone makes their things that make everyone special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have brown skin like Susie and, and Bobby, and I have white skin like Nana because she was my birth mom. All right. Another fairly common question is why did you adopt me? And that can be with the emphasis on, on the me, why did you adopt me? Or it could be on why did, on why did you adopt me? So the, the question could be, uh, depending on how the, the age of the child, that often these, uh, our children at this age are very self-centered. So it may be the emphasis on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so how would you suggest answering that question? So the same way you would answer the question if you had a biological child, you know, we just really wanted a family. We really wanted a child. We really wanted to, we're, we're so happy that you're in our family and repeat that message again of love and you're part of our family. Okay. Let's move into another common question. Why didn't Susie keep me? This will also kind of depend on what the circumstances are of the adoption, but I think it is very important not to lie to the child and not to make up a fantasy story, but also if there's some really hard truths, you're not going to share those with a young child. So like you talked about earlier with the substance abuse, something like Susie had some health problems and she felt like she couldn't take care of you like she needed to. I think it's also important if you don't know to tell the child, I don't know exactly And to invite the child along with you for the journey and like say things like, I don't know, what are some things you wonder about and think might have been? And just help them make sure they're framing the story correctly. But also um, it kind of reveals, because they are, kids do invent their own adoption stories and how it came to be. And if they don't have truth and facts, they're making things up because they're trying to fill in that hole. Mm-hmm. So it's important to just kind of have a conversation and see where they're at. And and one thing, one of the advantages of open adoption is that you can say, well, why don't we ask Susie? And I would definitely recommend giving Susie a heads up that this has been a question yeah. that's asked so that she can be thinking about. Uh, and, and you might also, if, if Susie is trying to figure out how best to say it, remind her to keep it short and simple. That this is, uh, we don't have to go into the details at this stage, but lay the groundwork and be honest. And so, uh, so anyway, set up a time for uh, your child to talk with their birth mom or their birth dad about that question. That would be one thing. And 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 if we, if particularly sometimes in international adoption, we won't know why a child was uh, placed in an orphanage or, or became uh, custody of the state. So, like you say, being honest, we don't really know, but we think your birth mommy and daddy were very poor and didn't have enough money or, and, and food to take good care of you. I mean, you could answer that if that's, in fact, if you do have an idea. And if, you, if that's not the, the story, if that's not the story in the country from which you adopt, then uh, not making that up would be, yeah, if you don't know that that's probably the reason. I say this all the time, but this show would not exist without our partners. And these are agencies who believe in our mission of bringing you unbiased, expert-based information to help you along your, your journey as a parent as, and, and becoming a parent. 
One such partner is Children's Connection. They are an adoption agency providing services for domestic infant adoption, as well as embryo donation and adoption throughout the United States. And if you happen to live in Texas, they also provide home studies and post-adoption support to families in Texas. Another such sponsor is Hopscotch Adoptions. They are a Hague-accredited international adoption agency, placing kids from Armenia, Bulgaria, Croatia, Georgia, Ghana, Guyana, Morocco, Pakistan, Serbia, and Ukraine. They specialize in the placement of children with Down syndrome and other special needs, in addition to providing services for kinship adoptions. They offer home study services and post-adoption services to residents in North Carolina and New York. Excellent. You know, we've been talking a lot about birth moms, and I think it's easier for us to talk about birth moms than birth fathers. So how do we talk about birth fathers and the role of birth fathers when the child doesn't really understand the concept of conception at all? That's a redundant thing, concept of conception. Does not understand conception and oftentimes birth fathers are not as involved or even involved at all. And sometimes they are unknown. So should we be talking about birth dads? I mean, birth moms, the mother carries the baby. Children at a very young age understand pregnancy. And in open adoption, often it is the birth mom, sometimes birth dads as well, but uh, more often birth moms and birth moms alone. So how do we talk about birth dads and their role? Well, once again, too, it's about setting a foundation. So you do want to introduce the concept and you may not have the answers and it's okay to say, I don't know. You know, I do know you do have a birth dad, but I don't know many things about him and just be honest, but you do want to introduce the concept. Um, sometimes there are, maybe it was a rape situation. You, you don't want to go into those kind of issues then. So I would definitely keep it more vague when they're younger. That's something you will be honest and open about when they're, when it's age appropriate and, and they're developmentally ready for that information. So, but it's definitely important to introduce the concepts of their birth dad and to talk about it. And to be honest, if you don't know information. Mm-hmm. And, and an example of perhaps in a rape situation would be to say your birth mom didn't know your birth father. Uh, didn't know him well or something like that. So you're laying the groundwork for later being able to start sharing the information about why she didn't know him or didn't know him well. Correct. You know, one thing I think is important when talking about why first families did uh, place made the decision to place a child, I think it's important for children to understand that it had nothing to do with them but everything to do with where their birth parents were at that time of their life. Kids are very uh, self-centered and have a tendency to make everything about them. Let's be honest, some adults are that way as well. <laughs> but, the, uh, but certainly preschoolers are very much that way. So it's important when, if whether you're the person saying this or whether the birth mom and you're coaching the birth mom and letting her know that this question may be coming, to indicate that Susie wasn't in the position to raise any baby at that time. And especially if you know that this to be the case, it was really hard for Susie because she loved you and 
I don't think we make that up, but if, assuming we know that. But she really wasn't able to be a, a mommy to any baby then, and she loved you, and so she wanted something better for you, something along those lines, making it such that it's not because you cried or it wasn't because you were in the NICU or it wasn't because, you know, whatever reason that children might think that they were the fault. We need to be very clear and upfront that this had nothing to do with you. Right. All right. Now, very often there are birth siblings either that were already in the family and the birth mom made the decision that she was not able to parent another child. And so she placed a subsequent child for adoption, or it could be that she uh, became pregnant after this placement, adoption placement, and parented the second child. So what are some of the questions that children at this age, let's say, you know, the preschool and kindergarten age, and maybe even into first grade, might have about birth siblings? And I think the parents, adoptive parents, worry that their child is going to struggle with that concept because Susie is parenting or the birth mom is parenting a child, but not you. So there was a choice made, you know, so we worry as parents that that's going to affect how our kids view themselves. So how do we talk about birth siblings in a way that doesn't let our children feel like they are, were, were second best? Well, I think that's a very fair worry for adoptive parents to have because a lot of children do frame it that way, that why did they keep her and not me. And so I think it's important for parents to be aware of that and to be aware that the children may be framing it that way so that they can reframe it for them in a positive light and talk about how, I mean, maybe it's a situation where there was a different birth father and he wasn't going to be in the picture. So maybe they can frame it in a way where, you know, she didn't feel like she could provide you with a a dad and she didn't feel like she could provide you with enough food and enough um, and everything you need, you know. And so I think though it's very important to tune into the fact that they may be thinking, why didn't she want me? Because they do, like you said, personalize it. And so the same thing is helping them realize that it wasn't their fault. It wasn't about them. It was because she wanted what was best for them. Mm-hmm. And again, in an open adoption with, with fair warning, but having the birth mom explain that she was uh, up to, she was, all she could do was to parent the two children, your older brother and sister. And I, I wasn't able to take on and you, I wouldn't be able to do the right things by you as a baby uh, coming in. So. Right. Yeah. So, but preparing her obviously in advance. So that again, one of the beauties of open adoption is that we can, the child can get the information from the person who really knows the answer. And it's also important to help the the child start naming their own feelings and emotions. You know, some of that it's scarier when they, when it's big and unnamed and, and when you help them name their emotions, like you may be afraid that, she didn't love you as much as she loved other children. You know, when you help them talk through that and help them name their emotions, it's just as empowering to them and it helps with their identity development. It helps them feel safe and loved. I think parents sometimes hesitate because they don't want to put the idea into a child's head, but you can always frame it as a question. Let's say the birth mom is now pregnant and with another child and has is 
is going to parent that child. Uh, and you can tell that perhaps your child is struggling with something. You could ask them, are you worried that Susie is going to love the new baby more than you? And see what they say and phrase it as a question. Your child may say, no, <laughs> I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I, but, it, but, but the child may then, that helps them identify perhaps what their fear is. Uh, and I think we as parents don't want to put the idea in their heads because we're afraid that we'll be introducing something that will be hurtful for them. But if they're feeling it anyway, helping them name it doesn't change exactly. any of that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One of the questions we sometimes get is, should we, as parents, as adoptive parents, how should we refer to the siblings, uh, our birth siblings of our children? And uh, a question we'll get is that, it, isn't it confusing that my adopted child has the brother inside his, our family, and but he has a brother and a sister outside. So when our child, does, my, does our child, should we say that our child has three siblings? When that really doesn't define the siblings in our family, how do we handle, how do we as a family incorporate birth siblings or should we? Well, and the child is going to take your lead. So the way you refer to them is the way the child is going to refer to them. And an adoptee is going to be struggling with loyalty issues. And are they loyal to their adoptive family? They don't want to hurt any feelings. And so whatever, however you frame discussing the birth siblings is most likely how the child will respond. And it is a gift to the child if you can do it in a way that is inclusive and doesn't make it as awkward. So, and every family has to decide on their own what they're comfortable with. But I lean more on the side of they have three siblings and just leave it at that. That is their reality. Mm-hmm. So every family does have to decide on their own, but I think it's helpful with the adoptive parent keeps in mind that they're setting the tone for the life of the child and how will the child feel about when they're talking about their siblings, especially if they're going to have a relationship with them and how will the child feel, what will make the child most comfortable when they're older. And I, I, I really believe that we as parents see things as, for lack of a better word, weirder than our kids. The fact that I think our kids very readily will assume that one child has three siblings, two that live with Susie and Bobby, or Susie, and uh, one that lives with us. Uh, that seem, that would not seem, if that's their reality, that's not going to seem weird. It seems weird to us because that wasn't our reality. But for our child, it is simply their reality, as well as the fact that the brother in your family may have no other siblings or may have five other siblings. It is their reality. And if we treat it as normal, then it feels normal to them. And so it's, uh, as you said, if they will follow our lead, but most importantly, they'll follow the lead we set by our attitude about it. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. So, And I think it's very important that adoptive parents remember that adoptees know they came from another birth parent and the way, and they know a part of them is from that birth parent. And so the way adoptive parents talk about the birth parents, the child feels that deeply. So if adoptive parents say negative things about the birth parent, the child is going to feel they are saying negative things about them because that's a part of them. Mm -hmm. 
Same way, like if it is a transracial adoption, if they hear adoptive parents saying negative things about a certain racial group, they know they are a part of that and that they internalize that deeply. And so I just think it's, it's super important to remember when you're having these discussions and when you're laying the foundation that the child will internalize how you feel about the birth parents and how you discuss them. And it's and the reality is sometimes there are negative things that we could see and talk about about birth parents. Oftentimes the decision to place a child, not always, but oftentimes comes at a hard point in a person's exactly. life. And they are struggling in, in a number of ways. But at the same time, they are more than their struggle. And, and we can look and find the positive things about, you know, oh, I love the way you run. Susie is such a fast runner. Susie told me that when she was in elementary school, she was the fastest runner in third grade. And you're just as fast as, I think you're going to be just as fast as Susie. Uh, and so it doesn't have to be monumental things, but it can be. Susie has such a beautiful smile. I'm glad when you smile, I can see some of that in you. And, and then also I keep using the birth mom. I should be also bringing in you know, Bobby, uh, Bobby also, Bobby loves really spicy foods and boy, and he can, he can pack away the, he loves Mexican food and he eats more jalapenos, he told us. And so by golly, you like uh, spicy foods too. So with things like that, it, you don't have to harp on the fact that, that Bobby is in jail right now or that uh, Susie is still homeless and struggling with addiction. That will that is information that you will begin to share, but you can be focusing, especially at the very young ages, on establishing a well throughout actually not just the young ages. Incorporate the positives, and if you don't think you see it in their birth parents, that should be a wake up call for you because these people do have positives, uh, even though they also have some some negatives, don't we all? And and some people have bigger negatives than others, but we need to look for the positives in order to share with our child. Because as you point out, yes. they're going to identify. Yes. Excellent. All right. So uh, we've already mentioned, I want to kind of move into the tip section because we always try to end this with some, some practical, applicable tips. So I've already mentioned one, and that is the Creating a Family Best of the Best Adoption Books for Kids Broken Out by Type of Adoption and Age of the Child. Again, you can get that at our website, creatingafamily.org, hover over the word adoption in the horizontal menu and click on suggested books. If your child is from foster care, you can also hover over the foster care world. We have a word and we also have suggested books specific to that. Again, the shortened link is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash adoption books with the A and the B capitalized. But another thing that I, do you know of some specific movies or TV shows that may not be specifically intended to introduce the concept of adoption, but have adoption as part of the theme of the movie, or even if it's not the major theme that we could uh, use as a way of conversation starter with our kids? I think there are lots of movies with adoption themes. And honestly, I feel parents should pre-screen a lot of those. And if it helps them, there there are going to be trigger points and things. And there are definitely um, a lot of Disney movies have adoption themes. They or, do, don't they? <laughs> or, yeah. And so um, it's important 
watch it as a parent and kind of pay attention to the adoption themes and think about what things will this movie trigger and then watch it with your child and help talk through it and help help them see if there are any emotions. Um, I, I can't think of any specific movies off the top of my head. There, I'll suggest a couple of TV shows that I think are particularly good. One, Sesame Street has, and you can just Google Sesame Street adoption and you will find the, the link to it. And you can also buy it as a DVD. And they have a, a storyline with adoption that I thought was particularly good. And an oldie but goodie, it's still goodie, is Mr. Rogers talking about mm-hmm. adoption. Again, you'd probably have to get that on a DVD now, but those are some that have specific, and there are a lot of TV shows that are specifically aimed at kids that tackle the concept or just treat adoption as a normal part. Again, you can get that by Googling and adoption themes for whatever the uh, your child's favorite uh, movie uh, or TV show is. Those are the ones I could think of. I can't think of it, but I think there are others probably out there. Another tip is creating a life book for your child. Can you explain what life books are? Sure. A life book is basically it shares pieces of their life before they came to your family. And um, some people do it for the child and then they walk through the child. Like maybe they have pictures from that the birth parents gave to them of, you know, relatives on that side of the family. And then they also have pictures from the hospital time. And then they'll have pictures, maybe they include pictures if it's an open adoption of times they got together with Susie. And so some parents prefer to wait till the child's older and they build that together. And it's a project they do together. So, and some you don't have enough history to be able to do a last book. And so if it's a closed adoption or a lot of international adoptions, you don't, you don't know before and you may have one baby picture. And so it's a little more difficult to do in those situations. It always, there are some birth moms who are willing to write a letter to the child or to share their favorites and things like that are wonderful to have if you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A tip that was given to me way back when was to keep the life book in your child's room so that your child has access to it on their own. And this is less so with uh, preschoolers, and you may choose not to if the child is rough with books, keeping it in the room but putting it up high. But at some point, move it to where the child has access to it without having to involve you. And I thought that was a great suggestion, that there are times when your child will want to be processing things on their own and, and having having to, to find the life book or ask you for it may be an impediment to them be using it at that, uh, at that stage. Not so much with our preschoolers, but, but as they get a little older. And one last tip I want to throw out is a great resource that it's actually just, uh, it's been recently updated, and that is the fact sheet called Parenting Your Adopted Preschooler. And it is on the Child Welfare Information Gateway uh, website. So the easiest way, uh, the the show notes uh, will have the link in there. But if you uh, want to just look it up, you could Google parenting your adopted preschooler and child welfare information gateway, and you will be taken directly there. Or you can, I said, the notes to this interview will be included, uh, the, the link will be included there. 
Well, thank you so much, Jenna Howard, for being with us today to talk about talking with young children about adoption in birth parents. It's an important topic, and we really appreciated your insight. Let me remind everybody that it is general information that we gave today. So if you've got specific questions about how this might apply to you and your family and your child, talk with your adoption or foster care professional. Thanks for joining us, and I will see you next week.